What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today, we have Marcus Philly, who is most well-known for his functional bodybuilding programming, his Instagram, I guess you could call it fame or just inspiration in general. The guy is all over social media crushing it. Um, He's also known for his gym, his supplement line. He has a lot of different stuff going on, but he's also been a professional CrossFit athlete. So it was really fun talking to Marcus for a few reasons. One, to get into his story and see how it all started because this guy is very strong. He performs very well in multiple ways. Um, obviously, being a professional CrossFit athlete, you have to be functionally fit in so many different realms. Um, he was also had a medical background, which I did not know before speaking with him. Um, and then it was just cool to just hear about how he goes about programming in general. His programs are really fun. They're really interesting. And I actually like them a lot because he shares a lot of the same philosophies that I do when I go into programming. We want to program for functionality. We want to program for muscle. We want to program for strength. But we also do not want to get burnt out, under-recovered, and just feel like shit, to be honest. So it's really cool to hear somebody else talk to me about how they program and how they've gone through every aspect of training just like me. He's been into bodybuilding. He obviously took CrossFit to another level, which I did not. But it was really interesting to hear his side of things and the background of what it takes to be a CrossFit athlete. Because a lot of people see how ripped they are, how strong they are, but they don't understand the toll it takes on your hormones, your nervous system, and everything along the lines of health and recovery. So he touches on that and how it kind of broke him down a little bit and how he came out of that and started finding fitness again and finding health again and just got back on his A game, which is how functional bodybuilding got created. So it's a really interesting conversation and it's a really cool conversation if you're into the training side of things. And if you want to learn how to go about training from a functional matter and a longevity-based matter. Because we got to remember, like, getting ripped, getting jacked, getting strong is very cool. But if you can't do it for a long period of time, then what the hell is the point? So we talk about everything training. We talk about gut health. We talk about his background. We talk about CrossFit. talk about program design specifically. We talk about a lot. So you guys are really going to like this interview. I know I did. Before we get into the interview, I want to give a quick shout out to my program, Functional Muscle, which is getting a ton of good feedback. The guys in the group are crushing it. The ladies in the group are crushing it. And everybody has had a ton of great feedback being pretty much like one of the best programs they've ever ran, which is really, really exciting for me to hear. And there's even a lot of strength coaches in the group now talking about the program because they're using it to help them program for their clients, which is extremely humbling to hear. But the reason I bring this up is because you're going to hear a lot of conversation around functional bodybuilding, functional strength, and just functional fitness in general in this conversation. And one thing that my program really tailors to is just that, the functional side of building muscle. So we want to talk about saving your joints while still building maximal strength in, in muscle. And if you're trying to lean out, burning fat, obviously, because either way, if you're trying to lose weight, lose fat, or build muscle, you should probably be training for muscle and strength regardless, but in a functional matter so you feel better doing it. You don't overtrain. Your hormones are intact. Your nervous system is functioning. Um, and everything along the lines of health is still a priority. So Functional muscle, my program, really caters to the individual who wants to build strength, build muscle, burn fat, but still move very efficiently and feel really good along the way. Everything is done for you, and you get 24-7 access to me in the Facebook group to ask questions about the training program. So if you want in on the program, I am going to extend the discount rate, the exclusive rate of, I want to say it's like 25 or 30% off. I'm bad at math. I didn't do that, but... 
my assistant did. So you can check that out in the show notes. So if you want to get the program, Functional Muscle at a discounted rate, this is the last week, and I'm only doing it because we just happen to be talking about functional bodybuilding in this episode. So once again, the link is in the show notes, or you can go to boomboomperformance.com slash functional-muscle. All right, guys, without any further ado, let's get on to the interview with Marcus Philly of Functional Bodybuilding. Marcus, thanks for coming on, man. Welcome to the show. Cody, thanks for having me. I'm a pleasure to be here. Absolutely, dude. So let's uh, get into your story, man. You have a really interesting story. I know there was like a medical background, and then you went into the CrossFit games. Then you obviously started your own gym, own training program. So why don't you kind of give the listeners a rundown of uh, point A to B in, in a nutshell, if you can. Sure, I'll try and summarize it as, uh, you know, briefly and succinctly. But um, I was an athlete growing up played a bunch of different sports, college soccer, um, and really had a passion for the, the life sciences as well, like biology, chemistry, um, was a math geek in college, and uh, really gravitated towards physiology and, and, and health sciences too towards the end of my college career. So after I had played my, uh, finished my, my college soccer career, got really into the books, and basically was on the fast track to medical school. I wanted to pursue health um, as a career, you know, healthcare as a career. Didn't know exactly what. Um, so I decided I'd try my hand at medical school and uh, went to the, uh, the Ohio State University for about a year and a half of medical school, medical training, uh, before I realized that, you know, I think my path is going to be better served um, through health promotion or health and fitness, which was kind of something I'd carried with me most of my life and had, had, is what really got me inspired to kind of help people change their health and their, their path. Um, so I left uh, Ohio State and uh, moved back to California where I started to get into fi- uh, fitness coaching at a local CrossFit gym. Um, I was at the time also kind of looking for what my next fitness kind of uh, endeavor was going to be for myself just to stay in shape. I was been training a lot since college soccer career had ended and was into some Olympic lifting, was into some agility, sports performance training and CrossFit just sort of, it resonated with me. It felt like a great way to train myself. And it was an access, it was access to a, a pretty big population of people that were all looking to do strength conditioning. So, you know, people were banging on the door to come into a CrossFit gym and lift barbells, which was new. Yeah. I mean, I'd been training for 15 years prior to that. And, you know, I was the, I was the weirdo, the outcast that loved to go to the gym. And now people wanted to come to the gym and do stuff that wasn't ride the elliptical. So yeah. I saw that as a huge opportunity. And, um, despite most of the people I had been mentored by who kind of, you know, turned like, turned their backs on CrossFit, were like, Hey, that's bad. Like people are shitty form, et cetera. I was like, well, let's be part of I want to be part of the solution. I want to help people figure out how to do this stuff better. And I mean, I can't turn my back on the fact that there are hundreds of people in my local community that want to learn how to power clean. Like, I think yeah. that's awesome. So I became a coach. Um, and somebody asked me one day if I'd be interested in competing on a team. There's like this CrossFit games thing and we could be on a team. And I was like, sure. Why not? You know, I had a little bit competitive background and uh that ended up that turned into 
just a whole uh, athletic endeavor in itself, right? The CrossFit Games, uh, that was in 2010. So it's grown a ton since then. And um, so I basically spent seven years competing in the sport and uh, made the CrossFit Games a number of times. And that was just alongside my coaching career. So I was coaching, running a CrossFit facility, owned a CrossFit facility. Um, and, and then just about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I sold my CrossFit gym, opened up Revival Strength as a coaching business, an individual design coaching business, and started playing around with concepts and functional bodybuilding with my coach and um, have since released a couple online programs that have gained a lot of uh, attention from people. And I've started a couple uh you know, social media channels that are educating, I think, folks on, you know, strength and conditioning movements that have been around for years that maybe have kind of lost, uh, people have lost sight of just because they gotten focused on like the big core lifts and trying to do lots of intensity and um, racing against the clock for time. And so just now in this phase of my coaching career, trying to re-educate people on the, the principles of moving, you know, a little bit slower with quality uh, using good strength and conditioning principles to build a foundation of, of strength to support people to do stuff that they want to do. Let's say it, be it in CrossFit or in their life. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at today. So did that kind of stem from you going through the CrossFit games and getting injured at all? Or just like, I mean, there's a lot of nervous system, hormonal issues, like a lot of things that go on in CrossFit that aren't necessarily to blame on CrossFit, but just, I mean, you're a high level athlete, right? That's some stuff that you have to sacrifice in order to be at that level. And I think, like you said, one of the coolest things about CrossFit when that first came is it got everybody under the bargain. I think like some of that stuff was almost non-existent in commercial gyms until CrossFit came around. So we got to give credit where credit's due. Um, What did you experience in CrossFit that led you down the functional bodybuilding path? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, You know, most things that I've done have come out of – most things that I've gotten into have been um, a result of me trying to solve a problem that I've been personally having. And, you know, the the problem that I always had from the beginning of CrossFit, when I first started doing CrossFit.com workouts, three days on one day off in my uh, medical school gym was that my body just didn't understand and handle the intensity very well. It was, and it would always baffled me. It was like, I'm this like, I've been training for so long. Like I'm, I, I could do all these things yet. I can't hang with like, you know, a basic five to 10 minute workout three days in a row without <laughs> feeling beat up, you know? Um, and of course that was, you know, does some adaptation that I needed to uh, go through for a period of time to sort of ramp up to this new level of intensity. I was, I was performing at, but the same thing over the years with CrossFit was like, you know, doing it as like a recreational kind of uh, fitness activity to keep in shape versus now I'm trying to compete against the best of the world. I'm training, you know, 20 to 30 hours a week. Um, and it's becoming a full-time gig. There's long extended uh, seasons where, you know, there really isn't traditional periodization like that can fit the model of, like do well in the open, do well at regionals, do well at the CrossFit games. Um, so in the early years, yeah, definitely struggled with a lot of hormonal, uh, issues, energy level crashes, uh, you know, just one month feeling like I'm the fittest person on earth. And then the next month feeling like I'm 
not even the fittest person in my gym. Like I, I can't, I can't muster the energy to do anything that really felt, you know, exceptional anymore. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there was injuries I had along the way. One major injury or one major setback was after the 2016 season, which was the year that I placed the best at the CrossFit games. It was also the third year, the third season that a sport called grid was in place. Um, and we were competing in like a team formatted functional fitness racing type of deal, which was even higher intensity than CrossFit, uh, a lot higher. And it was this combination of back-to-back seasons that left me just like, I was, be- I was beat up. My shoulder was extremely beat up. I mean, I, I could not press a PVC pipe off my shoulder without pain for a couple months. And I was, uh, I was pretty concerned. I was like, you know, I, I got into training and CrossFit because I love to train and I love the way it made me feel to like, you know, just add value to the rest of my life. And here it had become this thing where I was so drawn to the competitive side of it because I, I love to push myself to see what I could become not only as a physical athlete, but like an emotional and a mental athlete. Like it, it challenged me more than anything else I'd done it up until that point in my life to, to, to grow and expand as a person. And, um, so I was, I was really, I'd say addicted to that. And then on the flip side, it was like the consequence was feeling, you know, for, for periods of time during the year, like absolute garbage. And, and it had gotten to this place now where I was so beat up that like, I couldn't even really do what I wanted to be doing, what I love to do on a daily basis. Cause I was like, so my shoulder was so jacked. So that kind of, that along with the years past and those experiences was like, all right, well, how do we develop good balanced training methods for people that maybe want to do this? And then for people that are interested in, in functional, uh, functional fitness, but aren't necessarily trying to make it to the CrossFit games. Like they don't actually care about like competing. They just want to have access to the same movement patterns and, and some of the same stuff. And I, a huge amount of credit goes to my coach who I was, wor- who I've worked with for the past three and a half years, who's really been the person that's like guided my journey and helped me shape my training around competitive aspirations, business and family, you know, life goals that I've had. And together, I think our communication back and forth has, has given rise to some concepts in functional bodybuilding that really has, um, you know, given me and, and I know at this point, a ton of people kind of a second, like a second chance at, at training in this way for the, for the long term, like, you know, people that were like, I don't know if I can ever do this again. I'm totally burnt out to now saying, Oh, maybe there is a way to blend some of these concepts together and still be able to do this, uh, you know, for as long as we want to be doing it. Yeah. So I actually jumped into, so I've had a bunch of people ask me questions about CrossFit over the last year on the podcast. And I never had like really good information to give them because I had speculation. I never, I never jumped in the sport. So I have a buddy who owns a CrossFit gym and I jumped in. I was like, all right, I'm going to do 90 days. And I got addicted to it. The same way you did. It was intense. It was athletic. It was really competitive, but I had to like force myself to not go there as often as I wanted to, because it's the same thing. Like you need to have that balance for recovery. So I'd be curious of how you found that balance while you were going through those injuries. Cause I mean, being on top of your game one month and then feeling like absolute crap the next month would be a mental blow to any athlete. I mean, that can be right. really emotionally tough. How did you find balance? And like, what lessons did you learn along the way to better take care of health while competing and being athletic? 
Well, I mean, let me, certainly I'll just like clarify a little bit around that because what I had to learn was that I was now training as an athlete in a sport and I wasn't just the guy who was getting to train year round because he loved to train. So, and you could ask this of any, I think most professional athletes, it's like after the Super Bowl, like people at the Super Bowl feel like they're amazing on the top of the world. The adrenaline's high. They're, they're playing with injuries, but they feel like they could rip people's heads off. And then a month later, they are just like <laughs> shut down. Like they're not doing anything, you know? Right. And that was the experience I was having was that generally I would feel pretty good. You know, I mean, training was hard. Recovery was hard, but I'd feel good up until the CrossFit Games. And then about a month after the CrossFit Games, it's like, adrenaline comes down cortisol comes down all the things that were like keeping me propelled through it drop my training volume goes down and then that's when it like would would sink in like oh my gosh like you're just beat up and there's not much left in the reserve tank um so i had to accept that if if i you know being in the sport for year after year it was like i had to just learn that hey this is part of that process if you want to compete at this level that you you're not going to be a year-round like high-level athlete and uh you have to have downtime i needed to have downtime and some people in that try and compete in the sport don't still don't get that they think that they can go to regionals and then maybe the crossfit games and then like you know if they're lucky to get to the crossfit games then like a month and a half later they can go compete in the granite games and then a month and a half later they can go compete in wadapalooza and and so forth. And it's like these major competitions with high, high adrenaline uh, dumps that they get like every couple months. And that is just, and like, I've seen it just people totally burn themselves out or, or, or find themselves on an operating table. Cause like, you know, the shoulder just went and they, they couldn't keep up with the demands of, of competing on that schedule. And that maybe is the part that's, that is hard is, uh, you know, Functional fitness competitions, CrossFit competitions, they're year-round. They're happening every weekend at every local box. There's something to do. And people that are early in that game, like when you were like super into it those first 90 days, like I see people in the first year of CrossFit, they're doing competitions every three weekends because they just love it so much. Yeah. And that's where they can burn themselves out a ton for sure. So I think, and I think a, a big part of that is, is like you said, with the adrenaline and the cortisol, it's a lot of hormonal and just nervous system just crashing down, right? Like if you just over fatigue your nervous system, it's like an amp for speakers. It's just going to shut down at some point. Yeah. What did you do along that? And what do you still do today to like, I mean, for one, your clients, but also for you, make sure that people are not doing that or, or what recovery strategies do you implement? Well, first I really am, you know, with the years of experience I have, when a client tells me that they want to compete in the sport or when they want to be competitive, I can tell them with a lot more clarity, like, okay, this is what it takes. You know, yeah. when I have clients that used like years ago, I'd have a client say, Hey coach, like I want to, I want to do this local throwdown like next weekend. And I'm, I would be like, all right, well, let's give it a try. You know, we'll kind of try and adjust things now. I'm like, dude, the open is six weeks away. No way you're doing a local comp this weekend. That's going to screw everything up. Like I have yeah. more context now. Um, the other thing is that with clients that say they want to do that, I totally life coach people into understanding why they're making those decisions. And oftentimes they're like, oh yeah, I actually don't really want to do that. I really <laughs> actually want to just stay feeling good. Um, but for the person that does and for myself, uh, you know, food quality and di digestive health and sleep quality have been 
and sleep quantity as well have been the biggest factors for for me for years and it's uh it's something that i have i've seen people starting to get a little bit more connected with in the community um but you know eating really good food not just eating the right number of carbs protein and fat um or you know counting your macros uh has been a tool to keeping me in the game and healthy for a long period of time and to give me the best chance at um supporting the systems my 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 nervous system and my hormonal system on top of doing all this heavy training intensive training so um you know trying to get people thinking about their the quality of their food how they consume it and how that impacts their digestive health um yeah that's that's been a, a top point of discussion for me um for for quite a while I like how simple that is, man. I think a lot of people want these like crazy hacks and strategies and you're just keeping it simple. Um, I think when, when IIFYM came out and the whole macros thing hit, like, and I still implement macros with a lot of clients, but I think everybody took that and assumed that's all that matters. So it's kind of refreshing to hear you say that like you really look at the food quality side of things. Was there ever a point in time where you didn't and you had to go through like ignoring the micronutrients and just focusing on macros or just having a shitty diet period that you kind of had that light bulb switch to where you changed your diet or how did you get into that? Um, yeah, gosh, there's so much packed into that. Uh, I, I agree that, uh, I've actually taken a stance recently of like really going to the other end of the spectrum. Like people ask me about counting macros and, and I'm just like, I don't do that. You know, like I'm just focused on quality and it's kind of a lie to be honest. Like I counted so many macros and so many calories and so many things over the years that I have a really good sense of like the numbers that I'm putting into my body without counting them on a, on a day-to-day basis. But I feel like the pendulum needs to swing back to quality. And so that's what I preach a lot. That's what I focus on uh, when I post, you know, food recipes and things like that to social media, people ask me like, Hey, what are the macros? And I'm like, I don't even know. I'll just, just get good food. You know, um, I didn't ever really, I mean, I'd have to go back quite a long way to, to re, like to find when my food quality was really low. Um, I did some experimenting with like my first diets in college where I was like counting the amount of stuff out, like just, okay, that was getting this many carbs and this many of this. And I had somebody just hand me over like their, you know, cutting diet that they, they went on. And I swear it had like cottage cheese and fruit loops was like one of the meals. I swear it was like, <laughs> it was all, it was awful, but it was like the, it was the, my first like go at actually measuring and I got results. Like I had a six pack and I was like, Oh, this is amazing. Now I did a couple of years of that in college, like right around then where I was all focused on quantity and I basically under ate for, you know, 18 to 24 months while still trying to train really hard, um, and do big compound lifts. And I just burned my CNS out and my back, I got a back injury and it, it really reshaped a lot of things. And it was shortly after that, where I was getting some help from some Czech uh, certified practitioners on like to rehab myself that they gave me this huge food audit where I went through like, this is what I eat. And they started to educate me a little bit about food quality. This was like when I was 20, maybe 21 or 22, I'm 33 now. So over 10 years ago, somebody introduced me to the concept of taking gluten out of my diet, 
to uh, eating full fat versus non-fat stuff <laughs> to, you know, getting like eating real food and, and varying the colors and, you know, getting different types of protein, not just chicken breast, like, but like eating, you know, meats that had, uh, you know, fat in them as well from, you know, game meats to beef to all different types of uh, fish, et cetera. And so that really got me thinking in this note, like this notion of like, okay, quality matters. Um, and then I think a couple of years after that, I caught the paleo bug, which if I could take one thing away from it or two things away, paleo got a lot of people to eat low carb, which for many people was good. Not good for me, who isn't like a high training athlete. I was eating way too low carb for too long. Yeah. But it got people to think about the quality of the foods that they were eating. And so quality stuck with me a long time uh, and has stuck with me a long time. And then, um, you know, I kind of had to have a re uh, reintroduction to quantity and measuring and understanding where carbohydrates fit into an athlete's, um, you know, nutritional profile. And that happened, you know, at some point in the past five to six years. So I think a, a good thing for the people to hear and like take from that is like, that's years of trial and error to figure out. Cause a lot of people, and this is, I agree 100% with the paleo. I believe in like about a 90% paleo diet, but I have a lot of athletes that work with me that need more carbs and we have to oh, modify sure. it a little bit. Um, and I think that was a great point of it, but you can't be 100% intuitive successfully, especially as an athlete, until you've tried all these different things. And you said it yourself, like, you know how many carbs and fats and everything you're probably eating around estimated, because yeah. you've done it for so long that you can intuitively eat. Um, so do you focus on making sure people are not under eating? Because I see that a lot with people who approach me for nutrition coaching is that they're just vastly under consuming calories. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's, uh, I think, I think with, you know, gosh, I don't know that there's really one approach that I take, but I do, I would agree with that being like a, a pretty common observation that I see in clients when they give food, you know, they, they, they do a food inventory and they send us their, you know, food logs for a week, for example. Um, and it definitely, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's a tough thing to educate people on like, okay, you're under eating and you're gaining weight. Like, why is that happening? And, and then, okay, we're going to increase the amount of food that you're eating. And that's going to help you to shift certain hormone profiles that you have so that you can start to shed body fat because that's ultimately what you want. And, um, it's a delicate process. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that we start to pinpoint areas in their day where they're not eating or they're under eating. And, you know, common mistakes of people just completely skipping breakfast or skipping meals altogether and, you know, re-educating people on the idea that you're nourishing your body. You're not trying to manage your weight, right? So if you nourish your body at the right times, then when it's nourished, it has energy. You can approach your activities, your, your life with mental clarity, with physical energy. And once that process balances, then your body's going to actually start to align and start to let, let go of body fat. Um, but yeah, oftentimes this is getting people to like start eating breakfast, you know, like, yeah. okay, start having protein for breakfast, you know, start to increase your water intake and really focus on hydration, protein and quality first with people before we get into, you know, taking a really close look at the amount that they're eating. So I've heard you speak on and show interest in gut health a couple of times um, when I was kind of doing my research on you. 
Um, and I think some people would be surprised at that. Looking at you, you're pretty jacked and you perform really well. You're an athlete, right? And there's not a lot of athletes or physique competitors or anybody like that, like preaching food quality and gut health. So like what got you into that? And what's like, what's your big reasoning for like preaching that or trying to get people to focus on that? Well, like I said, most of my interests come out of me trying to solve problems that I personally had in my life. So when I was in medical school, um, I had my first real like experience with like poor digestive health. And that basically was, you know, uh, it was a combination of a number of things, but you know, number one, I was extremely stressed, like be like really like, uh, you know, my, my mental and, and emotional stress was on high and the hours and the time that I was studying was, it was absurd. You know, I wasn't training like I train now. So I didn't have a high physical training stress, but mentally and emotionally, I was really off the charts. My food quality was, was not great. I mean, I was, I was trying to prepare all my own food, but it was just time consuming. It was difficult. So I was eating out, you know, I was living in Columbus, Ohio, and the food culture in, in the Midwest is just not what I had been used to in California. The options like, you know, Tim Hortons and Wendy's were like the best option. Like we're like, just, they were inside the hospital. Like that was with the food that was available to eat. It was, um, yeah, it was pretty bad. So I found myself basically like with, chronic bouts of constipation for months on end like and it was you know it was debilitating it's really like you know people who have bowel disruptions uh will will share with you probably not in you know publicly but like if you get in talking it's it's really discomfort it's it's really uncomfortable it's it and it and it starts to consume like a big portion of your life you know the ability to like consume food and eliminate in a in a in a predictable and timely fashion um and have you know full elimination of your bowels like that's something that people take for granted a lot of people take for granted so i went through this period of time where it was like man this is just i it was uh it was yeah it was making me depressed in a way and that led me to think about like down the line i started to pick up on some things where when I thought back about my history, I was like, Oh, maybe that's probably why I've had such issues with certain things. And, you know, on that list where I took antibiotics for probably four years consistently through college because somebody prescribed me antibiotics when I was like 16 years old, cause I had acne and I was like, Oh, well, of course I don't want to have this acne. Like I'm so self-conscious about having pimples. Like I'll take whatever you tell me to take. So I took, and I had, I, I had like, I can't believe somebody refilled my prescription on that for so long, but I took antibiotics basically daily all the way through college. So I completely ruined my gut flora, 100%. You know, that on top of like maybe some poor food quality and, you know, years going by, here I am. Now I'm like in medical school, 22 years old, and it just had gotten to a, a major uh it just had become super problematic. So I started to really be aware of what it felt like when I was having good digestion, elimination, bowel movements, and when I was not. And so that carried me for the rest of my, I mean, that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. Like I'm having a conversation about it. Now I understand the importance of it around health, mental and physical and recovery. And so 
you know, years go by and what foods make me uh, have good digestion, what foods make me have poor digestion. You know, now it's like, I'm so regular and consistent. I have my supplement regimen. I have the foods that I like to eat. I have the way I consume it. And then when things get off, I'm like, oh, that didn't make me feel good. And I'm not going to use that anymore for, you know, that, that's not a food that I'm going to allow into my, into my diet. And, you know, doing a little bit more detailed, you know, study and research on how that impacts like our ability to absorb nutrients and then recover. I was like, well, Hey, this is like, this is the secret to having really good recovery as an athlete too. I got to keep that in check. Um, so that's been my kind of story to get that such a high priority in my like, you know, conversation topic list. It's so, it's so undervalued, I think. And, and, but I mean, and that's also why so many science and studies are coming out regarding the second brain. Right. And there's a reason they call it that, but I mean, all of it just comes from, it sounds like self-awareness, which I think is huge in every realm of life, right? Like just knowing what's going on with your body, with your mind, with your emotions, spirituality, everything, and then adjusting according to that. So you can actually just move forward. Right. Um, So let's, let's jump back to functional bodybuilding. I'm really curious behind like the program design and and what got you doing what you're doing. And, And I think there's a lot of people that probably said this to you, the term functional bodybuilding was such a great title. <laughs> I'm surprised that you're the first one. Cause I mean, how long has it been around? Uh, I think I, I started referring to the training I was doing with functional bodybuilding in like late 2016. Um, and there have been a few different people that have used functional body before like, as I've done my research and none of them really ever caught on. I mean, I think there was definitely a a period of time in like the early 2000s, late 90s, where people started to talk about functional functionality and bodybuilding. Like Pollockin was maybe writing some things on it. T Nation had some posts on it, but uh, yeah, it just hasn't it hasn't stuck. It's I mean, dude, it's golden, and I think that's the that's the ultimate result, right? Especially, I mean, like I know for me, like who doesn't want to be jacked, but we hate joint pain, right? We don't want to be in pain constantly or we don't want to move like shit. So um, what is the concept and what is like the, the main, I guess, overarching like theory behind the goal? Like if somebody's going to, cause you have a 12 week program out right now, and I'm assuming most of your clients go through a similar style of training. Like what is the end result going to look like and how are you going to get them there? Yeah. Great question. I mean, yeah, just to give some context, so, you know, I did a, a many years of, of bodybuilding, like true bodybuilding workouts. Um, and then I got into CrossFit, which gave me this appreciation for the quality of movement because Greg Glassman will always talk about it. And like, you'll see it. It's like the most efficient movers were always the people that did the best, you know, like you don't see somebody with sloppy technique who's winning the CrossFit games. They they move really beautifully. And so I aesthetically wanted to have a, a look, wanted to, and I value movement and movement quality. So that really is kind of the focus of the functional bodybuilding blend. Um, and, and back to that injury I talked about in 2016, like initially functional bodybuilding was, you know, this program that was delivered to me by my coach, or this was my training program at the time was what are ways that we can decrease like CNS stress and intensity while still building strength, developing the, the, like functional base needed to potentially return to the sport for myself. Cause I wanted to maybe go back to the CrossFit games later on, but my shoulder was so jacked and I was so burnt out from the two seasons I had just had. So really functional bodybuilding ended up looking like 
a, a tool to really control people's, you know, intensity inputs or their volume and intensity inputs to their training. Whereas you put up on the whiteboard, Hey, four rounds for time of five different movements as a coach, I really can't control what's going to happen for a client. You know, when I just let them go run free, but if we put up, you know, a one, a two, a three of three different strength movements with a prescribed tempo and reps and sets and rest periods, um, those movements themselves are, you know, functional or, you know, trying to enhance somebody's quality of movement. Plus they have this element of time under tension to it that is going to, you know, give them a strength adaptation or a, a hypertrophy adaptation. And we have the recipe to really control people's training. So it's funny. It's like a, somebody who's never done one of our training programs. They, I could put up two workouts next to each other and they have the same movements, but this one has like a lot fewer control points in it. And I'm not sure what you're going to get out of it. This one has more control points in it. And now I know pretty precisely how the athlete's going to respond. So that's how we've been using it is, is a way to, you know, it, for an individual client, evaluate what their goals are, what their, uh, you know, current level of fitness is through an assessment, and then use these principles to help really connect the dots to their goals in a very, you know, straightforward, linear fashion without just sort of rolling the dice and throwing some junk up on the board. And then for the group design, it's really just to introduce people to this principle of like, hey, you can train in all these great ways that you'd love to train. And, you know, using even like, you know, single joint exercises or very isolated movements to support and balance out the compound lifts that you're doing, like back squatting, deadlifting, et cetera. There's a really great synergy that happens there when you can, you know, hit them, hit them with like a high CNS drive movement, several lower CNS drive movements that can help them build, you know, some hypertrophy or tendon strength, et cetera. And then conditioning that isn't a hundred percent, you know, effort, but in that 70 to 85% effort range where they're moving with purpose, they're moving with control and they're enhancing their movement quality without just like, you know, going too crazy. Dude, I love it. Cause one of the first things I noticed when I started running it was that, recovery was or just total volume in general I would say was really on point like I was um, because I wasn't super familiar with everything you were doing yet I didn't know if it was going to be overly intense which CrossFit is if you do too much of and what I noticed was that it was far from that I felt like it was a really good balance of pushing you but keeping it under control like you just said to make sure that you're not just burning out Um, yeah was this something that you had to I mean play with do test runs on yourself for a long period of time or was it just like an aha moment where you were like this is the answer like let's start cranking these out it was i mean the 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 awakened training series programs that we have out currently are all a very they're they're a total reflection of my own personal training of my own uh training program for myself that i went through for the past year and a half and it's really been where i've derived all the inspiration for the program. Now I took a program that was written for me by my coach that was, you know, geared around my years of experience in training, my recovery practices, you know, the, the two to 
three hours a day that I have to dedicate to training. And I was like, okay, how do I turn this into something that's accessible to a wider population out there? Right. Because people that are doing awakened training series for the most part, don't have the time that I have to put towards training. They don't have the years of experience and knowledge, so they can't necessarily handle as complex a load and, uh, or movement. And they're probably not, you know, recovering the same way I do in terms of quality of their nutrition or, you know, managing their gut health and sleep practices. They don't have the self-awareness. So it was sort of like, you know, yeah, just have the take what was here and then repackage it in a way that, you know, a lot of people could get some benefit from. And I'm, I'm always the first to admit that, you know, group programs have their limitations, right? Like, you know, a hundred people do this program. I'm going to get a hundred different results because not everyone's the same. They all come at it with a different set of skills and, and experiences. Um, but the aha moment happened for me really over the course of 2017 where I was training and just like, you know, getting re-inspired about training in a new way. Um, after having 20 years of training experience and feeling like, Oh my gosh, like, this is totally a, a new and a fun and exciting way to approach, um, you know, training for myself. I'm sure other people would love this. How do you feel about exercise variation? Um, there's a lot of variation in your program, which is, in my opinion, I love because it keeps it exciting. <clears throat> and then I find some people get a little too carried away with variation because, as you know, like progressive overload is a big key, right? If, you're, if you back squat one week and then you don't touch it again for – a month because you're changing things up too much it's hard to really progress on that so how did you guys balance it because your variation comes in a really smart way where one week you're back squatting cluster sets one week it's wave loading one week it's straight sets but you're always squatting right so how did you guys kind of come up with a way to keep it exciting like that but still see progression um well you know it's hard to say like the progression that people are going to experience um I would say is obviously it's very unique to the person, right? So in an individual that we, that I might coach, um, you know, I'm going to base the amount of variation on their training age and, you know, also the results that they're, they're giving me, um, you know, OPEX fitness has been a huge inspiration and education source for me. And those were my two coaches that I've had for the past seven years have come from, um, they've had some really amazing training principles and concepts that they've introduced me to over the years. So, you know, experimenting with cluster sets and wave loads and, uh, strip sets and, and then traditional, you know, uh, four to six rep range, uh, tempo training sets. All of that has been in my training for years. And through my own experience, I've sort of felt like, okay, well, these things they combine well, or they complement each other well, or they're a great way to add variation on top of a, you know, you know, a movement as straightforward as a back squat. Um, so there's, there, to me, it's like within training programs, um, and certainly for a group program, I love to see variation from week to week because having prescribed for a gym, I, I used to prescribe for like several CrossFit gyms. And one of the issues that you run into is like, people want to see results, but they also want to stay entertained. Yep. They're like, I want to be, I want to have it like feel new every week. But I'm like, well, I can't, you, you can't get better at back squatting if I'm like 
only giving it to you every month, you know, like I got to give it to you week after week, but how do we make it feel like it's different rather than you did five reps this week. Now you're gonna do five reps next week and do five reps the week after and five, you know, and they're just like, I'm always doing five reps. Like they just want to come and sweat. <laughs> so that was kind of something that uh, I've had to, that's a unique challenge that I face over the years was how do we make the same look different and how do we keep, you know, consistent progressions feeling like they're new. Um, and so there's the, you know, what, what you just said and that example of back squatting, but then on top of that, there was also like, um, you know, this, this concept of uh, functional bodybuilding where we're taking a, an RNT split squat and we're trying, we're doing all these different loading patterns with it. Dumbbell suitcase, single arm kettlebell rack, one, one kettlebell overhead, etc. Like, so taking one movement, changing loading patterns. Um, that's been the area that I've gotten the most interested in over the past year is, you know, exercise selection is something that I think people, uh, coaches that are out there today, um, and athletes that are doing, you know, functional fitness, their creativity is limited. It's like, because it, uh, you've seen it too. It's like people try and get creative and the, the exercise is, it has no purpose anymore. It's like, why are you hanging from that thing and then balancing on a BOSU ball and then, <laughs> you know, juggling a dumbbell in your other hand, like it hit that, it gets a little bit out there. Yeah. So how, how do we, how do we take, you know, true movement, like strength movements and show the continuum of simple to complex. And that's really an area where I'm getting super excited. Like I just glance at my whiteboard over here because I'm in the process of writing you know, several volumes of movement uh, exercise selection for functional bodybuilding, where we're going to take people and show this is the simplest thing. And then this is the most complex thing. And these are all the steps in between. And this is how you can progress somebody who's trying to work on their single leg strength and use functional bodybuilding principles to get them to, you know, a weighted kettlebell rack pistol. Right. I think that's the key too, right? Like having those regressions because some people will watch what you do and they want to do it, but maybe they aren't ready to do it because they do not have that movement pattern. Um, so being able to map that out and build it into the, is, I think it's so key to, to get your program to the masses. Um, yeah. one thing I'd be curious is, do you feel like that's actually one of the reasons why your program and, and the way you train is it allows you to build strength and get muscular, get lean, perform well, kind of have the, like, cause they always say like jack of all trades, master of none. There's a lot of people who are like, you have to stay in the strength zone all your training. If that's what you want. Oh, you want hypertrophy. This is all you do. Well, you're doing a blend of a lot of things and kind of going against the grain yet. You're pretty jacked. You're pretty ripped and you seem to perform pretty well and you're actually healthy. So it's kind of like oddball thing. Now we can blame genetics on it, but I think at the same time, there's a lot of people out there who just might not have the platform you have that are just like you, right? So do you feel like that variation in the way you guys are doing it is kind of the answer to that? Um, I, I do think it is the answer to that. And I don't think it can be overlooked that, you know, what did I do for the 20 years prior to today? You know, yeah. and that's, that's something that people often don't want to pay attention to. It's like, there, there were those like eight years of just bodybuilding, right? Where I just went to the gym and I did body part split workouts, and it was chest day, and it was bicep day, it was, you know, it was whatever day, right? And those thousands and thousands of contractions over the years really helped me develop a base of strength so that when it came time to mix things up, you know, 
I could still progress in a number of different areas. The area that was the most interesting to me over the past six years of my life was my aerobic system because I played soccer, but I was a goalkeeper. So I wasn't really the running, you know, athlete on the field. Like aerobically, I was never a, a high level athlete. Um, CrossFit requires a high, high aerobic uh, conditioning to recover from intensity bouts as well as to be successful in the 12, you know, the, the eight to 15 minute range, which is a big portion of the sport. So I had to learn that later in the game. And it was really the, the volume of the aerobic training that I had to do. Um, and, and at times aerobic threshold training that I had to do that would push me over the edge of intensity <laughs> because that was just an area that I was very weak and underdeveloped. So, you know, I had to do like, if, if you look at the last six years of my life, it was like a huge bias towards doing that. Now, again, I'm back to a place of like being a little bit more balanced in these various areas. But, uh, you know, knowing that you can do a little bit of everything in training and elevate all those characteristics. Well, that comes from CrossFit and knowing that we had to develop all those characteristics to be successful. You know, I think gone are the days of being a strength bias athlete. Like you can't just do strength training and then hope that when the open comes around, you could do a week's worth of, you know, Metcons and be ready. It doesn't happen. Um, so we're, we're training all of these, these, uh, you know, areas of, the sport, for example, aerobic training, gymnastics, strength, muscle endurance, et cetera. We're training them simultaneously. And then for certain athletes, there's, you know, multiple doses that they get in a week of one versus the other because they need to balance themselves out uh, or, or, you know, develop that a little quicker. I love it, dude. Great answer. Um, I'd be curious what your motivation is. Like, you're a guy who, and I, I, you might be able to, I mean, you know a lot of pro athletes, obviously, being one. I think a lot of people get into that competitive nature, and once it's over, it's like, what now, right? You, you obviously own a gym and a company, so that gives you some motive, but what's your motive to keep training so hard, so frequently, keep your nutrition on point, um, and not have the games waiting for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I... It's funny because I, you know, I don't want to say I trained this hard 10 years ago, but 10 years ago, I trained just as hard with the knowledge that I had. And there was no CrossFit games. I rode the bench my entire college career as a goalkeeper. I never really had something that was like, you know, motivating. I wasn't going to be a pro soccer player. Um, I just loved pushing myself and training. Um, and, and I guess 10 years ago, I was sort of ignorant. Like I didn't, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know what it could look like to train myself as a professional, you know? So I just kept pushing, pushing. I didn't know the, uh, the consequences of like overtraining, you know, I had just, I was just like, this feels great. It feels great every day. Like I wake up every day. I feel like a million bucks, you know? Um, so today I have a bit more, obviously experience to know like what my limitations are. I'm still driven to, you know, my motivation to find the best version of myself as a physical athlete is there. Like I want to, you know, I want to go into the gym and I want to see if I can continue to develop my strength and get faster and, you know, perform better gymnastics, improve my quality of movement because I've been doing that for most of my life. Um, you know, I also know that my business and reaching a big wide audience with these training methods 
is a huge motivation for me. And I am still an inspiration to a lot of people, even though I don't compete at the CrossFit games or I haven't in quite a long time. Um, you know, the ability to put forth a training video that somebody sees and then say, I want to emulate that guy. and I want to try some of those training principles like that to me is, is hugely motivating. And, you know, social media has given me a platform that I didn't have many years ago, which uh, I really am grateful for. Um, and then in the back of my mind, I'm like 33. I'll be 35 in a couple of years. CrossFit games, like, you know, there's a master's d division that starts at 35. Um, you know, I still, I still, I still think I'm going to get back on the competition floor in some capacity. Uh, and, you know, I know how quickly it all goes away if you don't keep it up. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, when I get in the gym, I, I still, if I find myself in a tough workout, like I visualize the way I used to when I was competing, it's like, okay, somebody's working harder than me. Somebody's just a little bit ahead of me. Like, how do I keep up with those guys? Like I follow all the top athletes. I'm still tuned in on what people are doing. And, um, that, that still certainly motivates me when it's, when the training days are hard and, and I push myself, you know, a little bit past just like look good, feel good. Yeah. No, I love it, dude. And I think honestly, it might be safe to say that you even inspire more people now because of that platform. And because there's a lot of people out there that they can watch the, the CrossFit games and love the sport, but know that there's no way that they will actually be there. So being able to see someone like you doing what you're doing and being like, Hey, you can do this. Here's, here's a way to do it. Shit. I mean, that might even reach more people, you know what I yeah. mean? So, and I think yeah. that's one of the beauties of social media. There's like the two sides of it, the horrible side and the great yeah. side. Yeah. I try, I try and be, I embrace the good side and then uh, be aware of the, the, the pitfalls that it can pull us all into and um, try and turn off Instagram yeah <laughs> me too man me too so yeah. um i always finish with a personality question so i'm curious of yours you're on a flight to japan so you got 13 hours you're in the middle row and you got two empty seats next to you and you can choose any passenger for both those seats alive or dead but they cannot be friends or family who's sitting next to you Whew. um i mean Arnold Schwarzenegger comes to mind as the first person I'd want next to me. I think that's I, been the answer of like 10 guys on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, such, he's such an inspiration to me, not just for his uh, acting career um, or, or really his, uh, I mean, just, and not just for his success as, as an athlete, um, but just his mentality around training and uh, for being truly just somebody who made him, made himself out of nothing. You know, it's like, just learning a bit about his history because um, he chose two paths to be really successful sport, you know, acting, then he tried politics, but you know, at some point in his life, none of that was like even an option, you know? So he had to kind of say that that was going to become an option for him and then make it happen. Um, so those, that's one person. I think the other person, um, Give me just a moment to ponder <laughs> this one for a second. I don't want to have too much dead air space on the uh, podcast. It, it, it's it's a hard question. To it's answer. super hard. Usually everybody has like one that comes right away. Like you said, like Arnold Schwarzenegger came in, which actually was one of mine as well, because he's just done so much in 
like you said, not even in bodybuilding or just acting or politics or just everything in general. Right. So super motivating by, uh, to would be yeah. super motivating to sit with him. So I answered him right away, but the second one is always like, well, shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I someone just came to mind, but you know, I'm sure I'll think about this later and be like, there's somebody a lot more meaningful I could have said, but I think I'd like to have Tim Ferriss on the other side. Cause he's gonna, I mean, I listen to so much of what he's put out. Um, but I just get the sense that having, you know, opportunity to talk to him um, in, a, in, a, in a, like an international travel experience, like going to Japan, right? Uh, I don't know. I just, I was really, I really admired some of the stuff he wrote about and his like view on, um, you know, his, his little, you know, his, his work, his uh, vacationing around the world, like taking, you know, months and months out of the year to go and explore yourself and, um, I don't know. I'd love to get Sir pick his brain a little bit on on some of the books that he's written that I've gotten so much meaning from. And then I also know that he would be a great person to ask questions to the people around us, so he could engage everybody in a good conversation too. Yeah. So I don't know. That would be uh, that wouldn't be a terrible flight for sure. I, no, not at all. I think he. I mean, shit. He's just done so much. He's talked to so many people. He's experienced so many things. So I can imagine you could talk to him about almost anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Literally. So, uh, dude, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Um, where can everybody find your program, your Instagram, your website, all that? Um, yeah, everyone should head over to revival-strength.com. That's our coaching business. You can read about our individual coaching services as well as um, Awakened Training Series. And then give us a follow at functional.bodybuilding on Instagram as well as my, my name, Marcus Philly. Uh, both of those channels on Instagram have some really good content on, on movement and uh, training um, as well as, uh, you know, some nutrition stuff. Awesome, man. Dude, thank you again. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much. Buddy. All right, guys, that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Marcus Philly. Real quick. I just want to let you know, I truly appreciate you guys being here. I'm humbled to be on this podcast and to be on this mic and to be in your headphones every single time I record. So it really does mean a lot for you guys to be here. And for those of you who have already subscribed and who have already left a five-star rating review, thank you. I can't tell you enough how much it means to me and how cool it is to actually see you guys talking about how much this show is helping you learn and grow and get a better body or get a better business. It means the world to me. And if you haven't left a five-star rating review yet, please go over to iTunes and do that now. It allows me to grow within iTunes and essentially just bring more free content to you guys so you can continue to grow as well. All right, guys, I'll catch you next time.